Welcome to the Cup of Joe Wrestling Show. Cup of Joe Wrestling Show? With Joey Harris. A podcast for the wrestling fan on the go. So take your favorite beverage of choice and join Joey as he takes a look at some of the biggest shows on the WWE Network. Welcome to the Cup of Joe Wrestling Show. I am your host, Joey Harris, and we are broadcasting from makeshift studios in the shadow of South Central Virginia. You can follow the show on Twitter at Cup of Joe Pod, email the show at Cup of Joe Wrestling Show at gmail.com. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. I would really appreciate it, and it helps people to find the show. Back, folks, finally back on a semi-regular schedule. I had a bunch of shows that I pre-recorded because I was going to be away on vacation for about two weeks and it just really messed up the schedule of the show. But we are back. Going to get caught up on some things that have been happening since I've been gone. First of all, right here at the start, I want to send out my condolences to the family of Draz who passed away while I was gone on vacation. Um, Our condolences go out to them as well as the family of Mantar, Mike Halleck, who also passed away. You remember him from his quick cup of coffee in the WWF as well as being Bruiser Mastino and ECW and other places. So our condolences go out to them and their family and friends and fans. So I was on vacation and since this is a long show, I'm going to sprinkle in some of what happened to me over the next several shows to catch you up. July 4th, I went to my in-laws house they've got a place uh near here on the lake and folks i've decided i think i'm over fireworks i've had my feel very fun to look at bright colors and all of that but i think i'm just i'm over it i don't know when i was under it but i'm over it and then my wife and i went for a little over a week to back to our former home state of Maine. So I got to visit Stately Maine Manor, our former home, and see all the improvements that have been made to that. Um, Improvements a long time coming. Some that I was working on and fighting for when I was there. So it's good to see them coming. And you never know the impact that someone makes on you or that you make on someone. But before we left running back and forth and doing several things and trying to get ready to leave, I didn't have a chance to get a haircut here in Virginia. And I needed a haircut badly, folks. So when I was going up to visit some friends in Sea Stately, Maine Manor, my wife says, look, you're free that day. Go a little bit early. Go to your old haircut place. I would go to sports clips and get a haircut. I said, that's a great idea. So Driving along, I get to a good place where I can concentrate, and I said, ooh, they open up at 8. I thought they opened up at 9, so I was going to get there about 9, 10, 9, 15. I said, ooh, they open up at 8. Let me go ahead and check in. And so I checked in, and it said, ooh, no no waiting. And then I immediately get the text, batter up, you're next in line. Please come, come in and sign in. I said, ooh, I'm about 10 to 15 minutes there. So when I get there, I come in. And one of the stylists says, hey, did you check in online? I said, yes, I'm up there. She said, would you mind putting in your phone number to show that you're here? I said, sure. And so I did that, sat down. 
I had been sitting down for like 30 seconds and somebody says, oh my God, Joey, is that you? And I look up and it was the stylist that usually cut my hair when I would go there. And she says, oh, I can't believe it. It's been so long. I said, yeah, we moved away. And she said, yeah, I think I had heard that. I just, you look fantastic. It's so good to see you. I said, yeah, you look great too. And she, and she did. Um, she said, yeah, I'm a lifer here. It's so good to see you. And I said, yeah. And it was just emotional to me. You wouldn't think that it would be, but it was just, it was so emotional. And that someone, again, just remembered me and automatically knew me. I mean, I think she had been out for a few months before I moved away. So it had been over a year since I had seen her. And she didn't, she had a, another client. She didn't get a chance to do my haircut, but she supervised the stylist cutting my hair and made sure that they input my information so that I was credited with the half off haircut that I had earned from all the previous cuts that I had gotten there. So that was good. And it's good to know that even something as simple as going to get a haircut, you can still have those people in your life that mean something to you. Today, we look at SummerSlam 92 from the WWF. SummerSlam 92 was shown on pay-per-view on August 31st, 1992. It was recorded August 29, 1992 from Wembley Stadium in London, England. Intro of fans at Wembley, including in this is the girl who says the British Bulldog is going to win, whether he wants to or not. Vince McMahon welcomes us to SummerSlam. He and Bobby Heenan are the announcers for the evening. Heenan puts on a crown and says he is Sir Bobby, the King of England, and McMahon says Henry VIII would be rolling over in his grave if he could see this. They discuss whose corner Mr. Perfect is going to be in for the main event. Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase and IRS with Jimmy Hart versus the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellering and heaven help us, Rocco. Last appearance for the LOD in the WWF for several years. They and Ellering and the doorstop that is Rocco drive motorcycles to the ring. Well, Rocco was on the front of Ellering's motorcycle. He didn't drive. He's a dummy. The crowd loves the LOD. DiBiase and Hawk start. Hawk gets the fans to chant LOD. They lock up and DiBiase with Anita Hawk's stomach. Hawk reverses an Irish whip and DiBiase bails out to the floor. That's a sound strategy. He gets met by Animal who throws him back in the ring. And the LOD can do no wrong in the crowd's eyes. DiBiase screaming at Animal only to turn around and get clotheslined to the outside by Hawk and then clotheslined on the outside by Animal and DiBiase certainly has his bumping shoes on here. He is also in all white which is unusual for him in the WWF. Animal throws DiBiase back in the ring as the LOD chants start again. DiBiase scrambles over and tags IRS in. Hawk tags Animal in. They circle each other and IRS on the offensive early with strikes to Animal in the corner. Animal reverses a corner whip, and IRS hits the post back first and falls to the ground. Animal grabs IRS by his tie and then press slams him down to the mat. DiBiase starts to come in to break up the pin attempt, but Animal only gets a one count. Animal up and telling DiBiase to come in and he will get press slammed by Animal as well. So DiBiase rethinks it and stays on the apron. Animal with the wrist lock and Hawk tagged in and hits a forearm shot to IRS from the top rope. IRS comes back with a rake to the face and an Irish whip and a sleeper. Hawk fighting the sleeper and trying not to go out. The crowd chanting Hawk, encouraging him. Hawk goes down to one knee and the crowd starts chanting LOD. The referee checks the arm, but it doesn't fall three times. Hawk makes it back to his feet and backs IRS into the buckle to break the hold. Hawk with a corner whip and a clothesline. Hawk goes up top 
and goes for the top rope clothesline, but IRS ducks and Hawk goes spilling out to the concrete outside. Animal in the ring going after IRS and the referee trying to get him out. Meanwhile, DiBiase down on the outside with a scoop slam to Hawk on the mat. DiBiase was tagged and I missed it, I assume. He brings Hawk back in and runs him into IRS's boot and IRS tagged in. IRS with a snap mare and an elbow drop on Hawk. He only gets a two count and Hawk kicks out so hard IRS almost takes referee Joey Morella out. Money Incorporated doing quick tags and keeping Hawk in their corner. IRS gets Hawk down on the mat with a rear chin lock. Ellering and Animal get the crowd to chant LOD. Animal gets in the ring and while Morella is getting him back out, DiBiase and IRS switch places without tagging. Heenan says if you're close enough, you don't have to tag. Morella lets it go like he's Elsa in Frozen. Animal comes in and we've seen this part before and what you think happens is exactly what happens here. McMahon and Heenan argue over the lack of tags as DiBiase is legally tagged into the ring. Hawk flat on the mat and DiBiase attacking him. He only gets a two count. Hawk is run into a corner post, but reverses another attempt and DiBiase run into the post instead. IRS tagged in and cuts off Hawk tagging Animal in. IRS with several shots to Hawk. IRS with an Irish whip. Hawk ducks a clothesline attempt and comes back with one of his own. It wasn't pretty, but it was effective. Both men down. I told you that it wasn't pretty. DiBiase tagged in and IRS holding Hawk by the boot so that DiBiase can kick him. They go to Animal in. And Morella has to get him out of the ring as DiBiase laughs at Animal and kicks Hawk. Animal goaded into the ring again and he isn't in the corner as Hawk breaks free and goes for the tag. DiBiase brings Hawk over to the heels corner and IRS is choking Hawk with something while Morella is bu busy trying to get Animal out of the ring and the heels are being very effective in this match. You see when Morella finally gets IRS out that he has been choking Hawk with the tag rope. DiBiase with a front face lock as the Hawk chant goes out again. Hawk lifts DiBiase up a little while still in the front face lock and gets closer to his corner, but doesn't get all the way there to make the tag. Hawk picks up DiBiase again and this time gets close enough to tag Animal in, but IRS distracted Morella long enough for him not to see the tag and the heels bring Hawk back over to their corner as Morella's getting Animal out of the ring. IRS tagged in. He Irish whips Hawk. Double clothesline and both men are down. Both DiBiase and Animal tagged in. The crowd popped big time for the Animal tag and Hawk begging off as soon as Animal steps through the ropes. Animal with an Irish whip and a flying shoulder tackle to DiBiase. IRS comes in and Animal hits him with a drop kick. Money Incorporated double teaming Animal in the corner. Double Irish whip to Animal who comes back with a double clothesline to Money Incorporated. Now all four men in the ring at the same time. Animal atomic drops IRS out of the ring. Hawk with a corner whip to DiBiase and then a corner whip to Animal, who hits DiBiase with a corner clothesline. They signal for the doomsday device and of course the crowd wants to see it. Jimmy Hart gets up on the apron to distract Morella and IRS gets back in and drop kicks Animal. Animal knocks IRS to the apron and Hawk Irish whips DiBiase and the IRS. Animal then power slams DiBiase to get the pin. It wasn't the doomsday device, but the crowd loved it anyway. Heenan says the ending wasn't fair. Mean Gene Okerlund interviews Ric Flair. It's a crying shame that Flair isn't wrestling on this show. He used to be the world champion, and he's not wrestling on the biggest card they're going to have that year? Mean Gene says that Flair felt disgruntled when the main event was announced because Flair felt like he was the number one contender. I agree wholeheartedly. Flair says it wasn't just him who was disgruntled. You tell him, Rick. He says when you're talking about big events, you got to be talking about Ric Flair. Mean Gene says he's noticed that Flair is wearing his wrestling attire. 
He asks Flair what's going on, and Flair says that anyone who knows Ric Flair knows he's ready for any kind of action. Mean Gene asks Flair whose corner Mr. Perfect will be in. Flair plays coy, but he doesn't answer the question. Sean Mooney interviews Virgil, who's going to be facing Nails. Virgil rambles on about being ready for Nails. We then get Nails versus Virgil. Nails is already in the ring, and Virgil gets a great reaction when he comes out. The bell rings, and immediately Nails grabs Virgil. He chokes Virgil in the corner, breaks on a three count, and goes back to choking Virgil. He breaks on the counts, but goes back to choking immediately. Virgil fighting back. Virgil with a flurry of offense, but can't get Nails off his feet. Nails back to choking Virgil in the corner. Nails with some eye rakes to knock Virgil to the ground. Back and forth in the center of the ring. Virgil being choked on the mat now, but Nails still breaking on the four count. Nails throws Virgil outside and then comes out after Virgil. Nails runs Virgil into the ring apron. Nails breaks the count before going out after Virgil again and slamming his head down on the apron again. Nails throws Virgil back into the ring and Virgil starts to come back with a series of moves to Nails. Nails cuts him off with a clothesline. Nails with an Irish whip and gets Virgil in a sleeper that McMahon says looks more like a chokehold. The referee rings the bell because Virgil goes out while still on his feet. Nails gets the nightstick after the match and chokes Virgil with it. Nails then kicks Virgil out of the ring where officials are out to check on Virgil. Lord Alfred Hayes is in the back knocking on the door of the Macho Man to see if Mr. Perfect is in Randy Savage's dressing room. Hayes says he can't confirm the rumors that Perfect is in there, but can confirm that the door is locked and nobody is answering. Mean Gene interviews Sensational Sherry about the Rick Martell and Shawn Michaels match, and I would not kick Sherry out of bed for eating crackers, I will tell you that. Mean Gene runs down the events as we are shown in flashback what led up to the match between the two wrestlers. Sherry says that she asked for the stipulation and both men have agreed not to hit each other in the face. Rick Martell versus Shawn Michaels with Sensational Sherry. Martell is already in the ring and Michaels gets a good reaction when he comes out despite being a heel. Heenan whistles Michaels' theme song. Heenan and McMahon both say they don't think the wrestlers will comply with the no hitting in the face policy. Sherry helps Michaels take off his ring gear. The bell rings and they circle each other. They lock up and Martell with a side headlock. Michaels goes to push off, but Martell will not let go. Michaels attacking Martell's midsection to try and get out of the move. He then pushes off and hits drop kicks and leapfrogs to avoid Martell. He goes to monkey flip Martell, who cartwheels out of the way to avoid the move. Sherry yells at Michaels to stay on Martell. Another lockup and Michaels with a side headlock. Martell pushes off. Misses a clothesline attempt. And Michaels slips between Martell's legs and hits Martell with a drop kick. Michaels glows, but gets hit from behind by Martell. Martell gets Michaels in the corner and hits Michaels with a knee to the midsection. Michaels reverses a corner whip. Martell comes back with a reverse crossbody, and Michaels drops down to avoid the move. He gets Martell down. Martell gets back to his feet. Michaels then snatches Martell by the hair to get him back down, but Martell kips up back to his feet again. They then take turns getting each other down, only to have their opponent get back up again. Back and forth. Michaels running the ropes after an Irish whip and Martell with drop downs and leapfrogs to avoid Michaels until he can time it right and throw Michaels to the outside of the ring. Martell talks to the fans while Sherry checks on Michaels. Martell goes outside and taps Sherry on her shoulder. He then hugs Sherry and she has a big smile on her face. Michaels trying to get back to his feet. Martell goes over and hits Michaels with a double axe handle before throwing Michaels back in the ring. Martell with another double axe handle to Michaels before getting an Irish whip and a backdrop. This has been a good match. Martell with another Irish whip. Michaels ducks a clothesline attempt and rolls Martell up. 
He pulls Martell's tights, but gets caught by the referee and Martell takes advantage of this and rolls Michaels up. He pulls the tights and gets caught, so Michaels takes advantage and rolls Martell up. Michaels gets caught again, but they're up in the ropes anyway. Michaels with a double axe handle as both men take the time to pull their trunks back up. There were two moons at Wembley. Michaels with some shots and a kick to Martell's chest. Michaels gets a two count. Martell with a shot to Michaels' stomach. Michaels with a series of shots to Martell in the corner. Martell reverses a corner whip, but runs into Michaels' knee. Michaels rolls Martell up, but the referee sees Michaels have his feet on the ropes and stops the count. Michaels was struggling to get his feet on the ropes and nearly messed that spot up. Michaels up and arguing with referee Joey Morella. Martell with a roll up to Michaels to get a two count. Both get back to their feet and start to argue with each other and push each other. Michaels finally slaps Martell in the face. Martell slaps Michaels back as Sherry gets up on the apron. They shove each other and both men cock their fists as Sherry screams no at them. Sherry falls on the apron and Heenan says that she couldn't take the tension between the two men and she fainted. Martell goes over to the referee while Michaels goes over to Sherry to check on her. He prods her with his foot to see if she is okay and she falls off the apron to the floor. Michaels turns Sherry over and fans her to try to revive her. Martell comes over. He pushes Michaels out of the way and starts giving Sherry chest compressions. Michaels comes over and shoves Martell, asking Martell what's his problem before punching Martell in the face. They start fighting up the aisle and both men get counted out. Sherry starts to come too. She sees what they are doing and then pretends to be out again as the officials come out to try to separate the two wrestlers. I see Dave Hepner, J.J. Dillon, Renee Goulet, and Pat Patterson. Hey, two SummerSlams in a row for J.J. as he was in the reception for Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage the year before. Poor Randy and Liz. I used to joke that the match made in hell lasted longer than their marriage. I admit now that it was a cruel joke, but in my defense, I was just a stupid teenager at the time. Officials keeping Martell away as Michaels goes back towards the ring to check on Sherry. Michaels picks Sherry up and puts her on his shoulders to take her back to the dressing room. Officials trying to get Martell back to the dressing room area, but he isn't going. Martell breaks free and runs and punches Michaels. Both Michaels and Sherry fall to the ground. The crowd cheers and they are a ruthless bunch here today. Martell picks Sherry up and starts taking her to the back and the crowd cheers and this is a fickle crowd. Michaels attacks Martell from behind and both Martell and Sherry fall. Sherry taking more bumps than most wrestlers in the match today. The officials finally get Martell and get him back as Michaels checks on Sherry. He grabs her and starts to carry her towards the back. Martell comes back out with a bucket of water, and while I think this has now gone on too long, the crowd is really into it, so I guess they must be doing something right. Your mileage may vary. Michael starts backing away from Martell as the crowd cheering for Martell to throw the water on Michaels. Martell throws the bucket of water on Sherry, and Michaels drops her and takes off after Martell, and Heenan says Martell has revived Sherry. Sherry comes to and screams before taking off after Michaels and Martell. Sean Mooney interviews the Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart. They are laughing at what just happened to Sherry and make some jokes at her expense. They then turn serious and say they beat Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior and are the number one contenders, so why don't they have a tag team title shot? They ask Jimmy Hart why they don't have a title shot. He looks worried for a second, saying there is money incorporated, but then says of course they will get a title shot. There's trouble in paradise, and this is what they call foreshadowing, folks. World Tag Team Championship Match The Natural Disasters, Earthquake, and Typhoon Versus the Beverly Brothers, Bo and Blake, with The Genius. The Genius reads a poem before the match. The Natural Disasters get a great reaction when they come out. The Beverly Brothers attack the Natural Disasters as soon as they get in the ring. They go to corner whip the Natural Disasters into each other, 
but the natural disasters turn it around on the Beverly Brothers and get them down instead of with clotheslines. They then squash both Beverly Brothers between them. Typhoon then starts the match against Blake and scoop slams Blake. Something tells me this isn't going to go well for the Beverly Brothers. He gets Blake down, but Blake moves on the leg drop attempt. Blake comes back with an eye rake, but tries for a scoop slam and that's a bad idea. He tries again and gets Typhoon up, but Typhoon then falls on Blake. Bo breaks up the pin attempt and now all four men in the ring. Referee Mike Kyoto gets the two extra men out as Typhoon hits a corner whip and splash. Typhoon then holds Blake in the corner for Earthquake to splash, but Bo distracts and Blake moves out of the way and Typhoon gets splashed instead. The Beverly Brothers take over double teaming Typhoon as Kyoto is trying to get Earthquake out of the ring. Bo tagged in and splashes Typhoon for a cover. He only gets a two count and Typhoon kicks out so hard, Bo lands on the outside of the ring. Bo back in the ring and stomping down on Typhoon as Bobby Heenan announces that Shawn Michaels has left Wembley Stadium. Blake tagged in and hits a headbutt from the second rope to Typhoon. Blake hits a leg drop and brags to the crowd that he and his partner are going to win the tag team titles. Big blonde guy with a mustache hits a leg drop in the WWF? Yeah, that tracks. Can't argue with the logic there. He only gets a two count though. Bo tagged in and comes down on Typhoon's lower back after leapfrogging Blake. Beverly Brothers have done a good job cutting the ring in half here, Bo kicking Typhoon in the midsection and choking him on the second rope. This brings Earthquake in for the Beverly Brothers to double-team Typhoon some more while the referee is getting Earthquake out. Blake tagged in and hits Typhoon with a double axe handle from the second rope. Beverly Brothers need to string some moves together to get the pin as Bo back in to deliver some more punishment. They double-team Typhoon in the corner. This brings Earthquake back in and the third verse is the same as the first two verses. Blake back in with another double axe handle from the second turnbuckle. He then hits a headbutt off the ropes to get another two count. Blake with the front face lock. Typhoon struggling to get back to his feet. He does get back to his feet and struggling to get to his corner to make the tag to Earthquake. He does make the tag, but Bo had distracted Kyoto so he didn't see it and won't allow it. All four men in the ring. Bo with a double axe handle to Typhoon's back. The Beverly Brothers have concentrated on that part of Typhoon's body. Bo choking Typhoon on the ropes but breaks on the four count. Blake tagged in and he and Bo slamming Typhoon back into the corner and Typhoon comes out with a double clothesline to both Beverly brothers. Blake cuts Typhoon off from making the tag with a headbutt. Typhoon with an Irish whip and Blake comes back with a crossbody attempt and Typhoon catches him. Bo climbs up on the top rope while Kyoto is caught up with Earthquake who had come in. Bo drops kicks Blake on top of Typhoon but he only gets a two count. Typhoon gets back to his feet and slams Blake headfirst down to the mat. Bo comes out and grabs Earthquake's leg and the genius hands Blake his scroll. Kyoto gets both wrestlers back to their respective corners as Blake has blasted Typhoon with the scroll. Earthquake gets in the ring and drops an elbow on Blake to prevent the pin before getting back out of the ring. A double count going. Both wrestlers struggling to get to their corners to make the tag. Both Bo and Earthquake tagged in and the crowd pops big time when Earthquake comes in. He hits some forearms to Bo and hip tosses him out of the corner. Bo begging off, but Earthquake hits him with a nice belly-to-belly suplex. The Beverly Brothers both in and attacking Earthquake. Typhoon tries to come in and gets cut off by Kyoto. Double Irish whip to Earthquake, and he comes back with a double shoulder block to both Beverly Brothers to knock them to the mat. Typhoon in and he throws Blake out of the ring. Earthquake splashes Bo in the corner and then slams him down. Earthquake then does the sit-down splash to get the pin, and the crowd absolutely loves it. The genius gets up on the apron to complain, and the natural disasters grab him and throw him out of the ring to the roar of the crowd. Mean Gene interviews the Bushwhackers. 
They say they're having fun at SummerSlam and that we still don't know whose corner Mr. Perfect is going to be in. I tell you, they're going to run this Mr. Perfect thing into the ground, aren't they? Mean Gene says there's a dentist in London trying to sell Luke a London Bridge. Luke says he don't need no London Bridge. They fly all these thousands of miles to do stand-up comedy. Mean Gene says the Bushwhackers have been invited to dine at Buckingham Palace and Butch says for Mean Gene to keep that to himself. Lord Alfred Hayes is now in front of the Ultimate Warrior's door. I find it odd that when they were in front of Randy Savage's door that it said Macho Man, but the Warrior's door only has the Warrior face symbol on it. Two summer slams in a row where they have someone in front of a door after Bobby Heenan challenged Hulk Hogan on behalf of Ric Flair the year before. Alfred says that he has reason to believe that Mr. Perfect is inside the Warrior's dressing room. He tries to open the door, but it slams closed again. The Repo Man vs. Crush. Demolition explodes, but I bet you to a dollar to a donut, that will not be mentioned. Repo Man already in the ring. Crush introduced and gets a respectable ovation as he comes out. Repo Man attacks Crush as soon as he gets in the ring with double axe handles to the back. Crush grabs Repo Man and then military presses him several times. That is impressive to get someone of that size up there. He slams Repo down and Repo rolls to the outside to regroup, and he is holding his back as he does. Crush comes out after Repo and clotheslines him on the outside. Crush then throws Repo back in the ring and hits him with several forearms and shots. Crush with an Irish whip, misses a clothesline, and Repo comes back with a crossbody attempt and Crush catches Repo. Crush lays Repo on the top rope horizontally and attacks Repo's back with forearms. He then kicks Repo. Repo Man falls back in the ring and Crush kicks him again and then hits an Irish whip and a backbreaker to Repo Man. Crush goes in for another move, only to get met with an eye rake from Repo. Repo Man with a shot and a belly-to-back suplex to Crush. Crush comes back with a belly-to-belly suplex to Repo Man. Crush follows that up with a backbreaker and goes up top to come off with a knee drop, but Repo moves out of the way. Repo tries several forearms to the back of Crush to no avail but then gets crushed with another poke to the eyes and that works every time. It is always effective. Crush reverses an Irish whip, but drops his head too early and Repo slams Crush face first into the mat. Repo Man gets a two count and Crush kicks out so forcefully, Repo Man goes flying to the outside and this has been the day for that. Repo Man goes up top to come off as Crush turns around, but Crush catches Repo as he comes off and power slams Repo Man. He gets a one count, but gets up and signals that he wants to do the cranium Crush instead. He applies the hold and slams Repo Man down and Repo Man gives up right away. Smart boom by Repo. The crowd cheers the win by Crush. Mean Gene narrates the flashbacks that led up to the world title match and in whose corner Mr. Perfect would be in. Vince and Bobby talk about the main event. WWF World Championship match. Randy Savage versus The Ultimate Warrior. Warrior out first to a great ovation as he runs down the aisle at his usual pace. The announcers speculate that since Perfect isn't with The Warrior, he must be with Savage. Savage comes out by himself as well, and the crowd goes wild for him. Heenan says something doesn't seem right or this could be a decoy. The referee gets the belt and holds it up high. The bell rings and they are face-to-face in the middle of the ring. They both still have all their ring stuff on as Savage extends a hand out to the Warrior. Warrior indicates that Savage has sold out and gotten Mr. Perfect for his corner. Savage extends his hand out again and Warrior shakes it. Savage goes to pull away and Warrior brings him closer. They start shoving each other in the face. They then start tearing off their gear to the roar of the crowd. Their stuff is off and they start to circle each other, both men pulling on the ring ropes to loosen up. The crowd does chant, but they aren't dueling so you can't tell what they are saying. They lock up. They get to the ropes and break clean. Another lock up and Warrior shoves Savage off. Savage comes back with a knee to the midsection and a clothesline to Warrior. Then another clothesline from behind to Warrior. 
He gets a one count and Warrior with a powerful kick out. Savage goes up top for a double axe handle, but Warrior hits Savage in the midsection as he comes off. Warrior follows up with an atomic drop to Savage. Warrior then picks Savage up and delivers an inverted atomic drop. Warrior with a clothesline and Savage was getting back to his feet to knock Savage down again. Warrior with a series of shoulder blocks to knock Savage down. He goes for an elbow drop, but Savage moves out of the way. Savage with a series of punches and a knee drop to Warrior. He gets a two count. Savage puts a sleeper on the seated Warrior. Warrior gets to his feet and then comes down with a jawbreaker to Savage to break the hold. Warrior grabs Savage by the hair and slams him face first into the mat. The crowd is more for the Warrior here. Warrior gets a two count. Warrior with a corner whip. He falls up with a right hand and knocks Savage down to the mat. Savage gets back to his feet, only to get knocked down again. Warrior with a right hand to Savage, who lands up against the ropes this time. Warrior with a corner whip. Warrior with a series of kicks to Savage's chest. He kicks Savage down and the crowd cheers. Maybe they were more fans of Miss Elizabeth than they were of Savage. What a time to find out that the fans liked your ex-wife more than they liked you. Warrior with a short arm clothesline that he learned from Jake Roberts, no doubt, to get a two count on Savage. Savage gets up, grabs Warrior by his outfit, and runs Warrior into a turnbuckle and gets booed. This is a fickle crowd. Warrior gets back to his feet and Savage clotheslines him out of the ring. Savage comes out after Warrior and throws him back in the ring. He gets a two count. Savage goes up top and hits a double axe handle to Warrior, but it doesn't go down. He starts to go into his The Power of the Warrior routine. I believe you would call it. I don't know what else to call it, and I think you know what I mean. Savage goes back up top, another double axe handle, and this time Warrior does go down. He gets a close two count. Savage goes back to the top rope as Warrior gets to his feet and Savage goes for a crossbody, but Warrior catches him. Warrior raises one hand to the crowd and it looks impressive that he is holding Savage up like that until you realize that Savage is holding on to Warrior for dear life. Warrior slams Savage down with a backbreaker. He gets a close two count. Warrior gets Savage back to his feet and hits him with the right hand. Warrior then whips Savage into a buckle and then goes into the opposite buckle. Warrior does his air humping routine before knocking Savage down to the mat with another right hand. Warrior with another corner whip and if he keeps them up, we may have to start taking shots for each one that he does. Another corner whip by Warrior. I say we ease into this since we still have a lot of show to go, so take a half a shot if you're drinking at home. Another right hand and corner whip, take another half shot. So we're one shot in at this point. Warrior follows that up with a bear hug. At least it isn't a corner whip as this match could endanger your liver. Warrior throws Savage to the ground and gets another two count. This crowd starts to chant Warrior. Warrior struggles, but does get Savage up for a side slam. He gets another two count. Warrior goes to lift Savage up again, only to get a small package from Savage for a two count. Warrior with an Irish whip, so no shot for you. He lowers his head too early and Savage with a swing net breaker that the honky-tonk man made famous as the shake, rattle, and roll. And there's a guy who would have tremendous insight on this match having been in the ring with the other two many times. Savage gets a two count. Savage does his patented over-the-top rope guillotine move to the Warrior. Savage only gets another two count. Savage goes to suplex the Warrior, but his back is hurting him too much. Savage grabs his back and falls to the mat. McMahon says that the Warrior's neck is in bad shape and Savage's back is in bad shape as Warrior gets Savage up and starts hitting the injured back with blows. Savage falls to the mat in pain. Warrior picks Savage up and hits another forearm to the back. Warrior gets Savage up and into a front face lock. Warrior indicating by his movements that his neck is still bothering him. Warrior with a suplex and a cover, but he only gets a two count. Savage scrambles to the ropes to try to get back to his feet. Savage up on his feet, but just hanging against the top rope. 
Warrior runs to clothesline Savage out of the ring, but Savage ducks and Warrior spills to the outside. Savage climbs up top and hits the double axe handle to the outside on Warrior. Warrior spills off of the podium that the ring is on to the floor of Wembley. McMahon says that the Warrior will be counted out and Heenan says that Savage is going out after Warrior and that is what he is doing. Savage knocks Warrior down with the right hand shot. Savage runs Warrior into the ring steps. Savage breaks the count and goes out after Warrior again as the crowd starts their Warrior chant again. Savage runs Warrior into a ring post. Savage breaks the count again and goes after Warrior. He kicks Warrior down as McMahon says that Savage guaranteed that he would beat Warrior 1-2-3 with a pin in the center of the ring. Savage throws Warrior back into the ring. He gets a close two count. You see Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair start to walk to the ring and Perfect has the worst looking tuxedo or suit on that I have ever seen. The jacket is open and it looks all loose. I don't know what the story is with that. Savage going for a pile driver as the crowd gets to its feet to look at the two coming down the aisle. Warrior reverses the pile driver into a backdrop, but Savage hooks the legs and gets a two count. Warrior back to his feet and hits Savage with a clothesline of his own for a two count. Perfect and Flair still walking to the ring because it's a long way from the back. Warrior with a scoop slam and Warrior holds his neck and moves it back and forth, trying to loosen it up as the announcers say that now we will find out exactly whose corner Perfect is supposed to be in. Perfect and Flair get to ringside just as Warrior goes for a splash and Savage gets his knees up. Savage gets a two count, although they were very close to the ropes. Warrior reverses an Irish whip and both men are down with a double clothesline. A double count going as the announcers say that Mr. Perfect has to make a move to a corner soon as he and Flair are standing in the middle of the ringside. Warrior struggles up and falls on Savage to get a two count. Savage then gets a two count. Savage backs to the ropes and Perfect trips him and Man says now we know whose side Perfect is on. Savage up and pointing to Perfect and indicating that Perfect took money from Warrior in order to help Warrior get Savage's title. Warrior back to his feet and knocks Savage down with a shot. Warrior lifts Savage up by the throat and then throws him down in the corner. Heenan says Savage hit his head on the bottom rope. Warrior with a corner whip back to the same corner Savage was in and Savage hits referee Earl Hebner. Warrior with a scoop slam and then goes up top and hits Savage with a double axe handle. He covers, but the referee isn't there to count. By the time that he gets there, Warrior only gets a two count. Warrior arguing with the official about the count. Savage hits Warrior with a high knee from behind, knocking Warrior into Hebner again and knocking Hebner to the outside. Savage hits a pile driver on Warrior. Savage then goes outside to revive Hebner and Perfect comes in and gets Warrior back to his feet and then holds Warrior for Flair to hit. Warrior with some foreign object, although since they are in England, it may just be called an object. The announcers then say it must have been Savage that paid off Perfect. McMahon says he doesn't think Savage saw what happened as he was trying to revive Hebner. McMahon says that he is confused as Savage scoop slams the Warrior. Savage goes up top and hits the flying elbow drop. He gets an extremely close two count. Perfect over and conferring with Flair on the outside. The crowd is cheering as Warrior is making his way back to his feet, even though Savage is hitting him with shots. Flair has grabbed a chair from ringside. The Warrior is doing his rope-shaking move, and the crowd is absolutely loving every minute of it. He hits Savage with a series of clotheslines. He then hits Savage with the flying shoulder block. Warrior lifts Savage up for the press slam. He hits it and then goes for the splash. Perfect trips him up a little bit, but he keeps going only to get hit by Flair with the chair. Both wrestlers down. Savage up and turns Warrior over. Savage looks around and then asks Hebner what happened to the Warrior since Savage knows he didn't cause the Warrior to go down like that. When Hebner isn't looking, Perfect grabs at Savage's foot, trying to trip him and Savage kicks Perfect away. Hebner goes outside to get on Perfect for trying to interfere as Savage goes out to the apron and climbs up top, the crowd encouraging him. 
Savage up top looking at the warrior before pivoting to jump on Flair, who hits Savage with the chair as he is coming down. Savage goes down and he is holding his knee and Heenan says he bet he tore his knee as he came down. Hebner counting Savage, who is crawling trying to make his way back towards the ring. Savage is counted out and as the referee calls for the bell, Perfect and Flair attack Savage and Perfect drops a knee on Savage's leg and McMahon says they are trying to break the leg of Savage. Flair then puts the figure four on Savage on the floor. Hebner goes out to break it up as the warrior comes into the ring. Perfect throws Hebner out of the way and continues to pound on Savage as Flair keeps the figure four on. Warrior up, but unsteady on his feet, and he falls out of the other side of the ring. Flair lets go of the figure four, but he and Perfect keep up the assault on Savage. Flair gets the chair and goes to hit Savage with it, but Warrior comes around the ring and grabs the chair before Flair can use it. Warrior grabs the chair and chases Flair to the back with it, and that's how Warrior also left SummerSlam 91. Well, we know he won't get fired by McMahon when he gets back to the back this time at least. Flair and Perfect are running a 100-yard dash as Warrior throws the chair at them about halfway down, no doubt remembering what happened to him at the previous year's SummerSlam. This is the last SummerSlam for both Savage and Warrior as competitors. Savage's record is 2-2 two and two and Warrior is a perfect 5-0. and oh. Warrior gets back in the ring to check on Savage as Howard Finkel announces Warrior is the winner, but Savage is still being the champion as Warrior goes outside and grabs the WWF title and gets in the ring. He looks down at the belt before helping Savage up and presenting the belt to Savage. Savage falls back to the ground holding his knee. Warrior's last WWF pay-per-view appearance for almost four years and Savage's last appearance as WWF champion. Warrior helps Savage out of the ring and to the back as the crowd cheers both men. Savage's knee is either really hurt or he is selling it like he's been shot. Mean Gene interviews Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. Gene screams at them asking them what the hell was going on out there. There was no deal and Perfect says there was a deal. It was a done deal between Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. A lot of people will be talking about the precious deal and how that didn't go down. That was plan A and now plan B is in full effect. Flair says he should have had the shot to begin with, not the Ultimate Warrior. Now you ask the Ultimate Warrior what he wants in life and it's got to be Ric Flair and Flair says he's waiting on the Ultimate Warrior. He says maybe plan A slid by, but now we're looking at plan B. He says the two most perfect men alive today are himself and Mr. Perfect. Flair ends by telling Savage that the title is coming back to him. Vince McMahon announces the attendance as 80,355. Howard Finkel introduces Harvey Whippleman, who brings out Kamala and Kim Chi. Kamala with Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi versus The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. When The Undertaker comes out, he is standing at the back of a hearse as Bearer leads Undertaker and the hearse to ringside. I believe this is the beginning of The Undertaker's big entrances at pay-per-view. The crowd is in awe. Undertaker takes his time getting into the ring and taking his stuff off. The bell rings and Kamala rushes Undertaker, who responds with throat thrust to Kamala. He chokes Kamala in the corner to the roar of the crowd. He breaks on the four count. Kamala reverses a corner whip, but misses the charge when The Undertaker moves out of the way. Undertaker with more throat thrust and a wrist lock to Kamala. Undertaker then goes up top and hits old school on Kamala. If you're going to do that move, and Undertaker is one of those wrestlers who can do that, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Not grab the wrist, go up and do a little dance, make a little love. No, you just get down tonight. This isn't the hokey pokey where you turn yourself around. This is wrestling. Okay, back off my soapbox. I don't know who brought it all the way over here to London, but I'm not carrying it back with me when I leave. Kim Shi tries to get up on the apron to distract Undertaker but it doesn't work as Undertaker continues with the throat thrust. Undertaker grabs the wrist again to go for old school. 
Whippleman gets up on the apron to distract Undertaker and Kamala pulls Undertaker off the top rope. Whippleman gets off the apron as Bear chases Whippleman away and Kamala chops Undertaker. Kamala clotheslines Undertaker to the outside, but Undertaker lands on his feet and grabs Whippleman and Kimchi by their throats and chokes them before getting attacked from behind by Kamala, who hits Undertaker with shots and chops and a back kick. Kamala then runs Undertaker into the ring steps. Kamala keeps up the assault with more chops and a headbutt. Kamala then rolls Undertaker back in the ring and chops him. Kamala with an Irish whip misses a clothesline and Undertaker grabs Kamala by the throat. He then chokeslams Kamala to the roar of the crowd. Undertaker with an Irish whip and his patented flying chokeslam. Bear signals to the Undertaker to finish Kamala off as Kamala gets back to his feet. Undertaker goes to hit Kamala with the tombstone as Kim Chi gets in and attacks Undertaker with his helmet, causing a disqualification. Undertaker grabs Kim Chi by the throat and throws him out of the ring. Kamala attacks Undertaker from behind and then gets Undertaker in the corner with a chop. He splashes Undertaker several times in the corner. Kamala scoop slams Undertaker and then splashes him as Howard Finkel announces Undertaker the winner by disqualification. Kamala then splashes Undertaker from the second rope. He then goes back and splashes Undertaker from the top rope. Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman get Kamala and bring him to the corner on the outside, perhaps to climb up to the top rope again. But Undertaker sits up and looks at Kamala and Kamala looks scared to death. Undertaker gets up and goes out of the ring after Kamala, who starts going up the aisle towards the back, looking over his shoulder with a frightened look on his face. Kamala falls down briefly, but gets back to his feet and keeps going as the announcers say that the Undertaker is stalking Kamala back to the dressing room. Sean Mooney interviews the British Bulldog about his upcoming match with his brother-in-law Bret Hart and how the match has torn the family apart. Bulldog says it has, but he didn't make the match. Jack Tunney did. The British Bulldog has fought hard two long years to be the number one contender for the IC belt. I understand what he's saying, but he did fight the Warlord at all five WWF pay-per-views in 1991. And I love the Warlord as much as the next guy, but he isn't going to help you climb the rankings. He says Bret is the IC champion and his brother-in-law. When they meet in the ring, he has never met Bret Hart and doesn't even know him. According to Bret, as high and as messed up as Bulldog was for this match, I can believe that he probably didn't know much of anything going into it. He says he hopes by the end of the match, the families reunite. Mooney says that brings him to his second point, that when the Bulldog steps out there, he will be among 80,000 of his fellow countrymen. Bulldog says that isn't pressure. That's a dream for the British Bulldog. And his next dream is at the end of the match, that he will be the next WWF Intercontinental Champion. Mean Gene interviews Bret Hart. Gene says that he agrees with Sean Mooney that there's a lot of pressure in this match but that it is different for Brett than it is for the British Bulldog. He either must pin Brett or make him submit. And then there's the family pressure. Brett says that he has proven that he works well under pressure. He says what irks him is that Bulldog has the gall to say that when he steps in the ring with Brett that he's never met Brett. He tells the Bulldog to look him in the eye and tell him that he doesn't know Brett. Brett says he was the one to introduce Bulldog to his sister Diana in the first place. He says that as far as the British Bulldog's career in the WWF, Brett is the one who helped him the most and that the Bulldog wouldn't be where he was in the WWF if it weren't for Bret Hart. He says talk about gratitude. The Bulldog forgets that he's the one who wanted to challenge Bret. He's the one responsible for all the family attention. He's the one that wanted the shot at the gold. He wanted the big fight. He's got the big fight, and as far as his dream, Hart says his big dream of winning the WWF IC title in front of 80,000 of his compatriots. Hart thinks this big dream of his is going to turn into a nightmare, and tomorrow morning, when he wakes up, He's going to think he woke up in the dungeon at Windsor Castle. 
I'm glad he added that last part so the Bulldog wouldn't be wondering how he got to Calgary. Howard Finkel introduces the Balmoral Highlanders. They played the bagpipes in Scotland the Brave. Finkel then introduces Roddy Piper to play with them and he comes out to a huge ovation. Piper's last appearance until WrestleMania 10. Piper gets his bagpipes and plays Scotland the Brave with the group. He gets a big ovation from the crowd. Sean Mooney out in the crowd to interview Diana Hart-Smith. And buckle up, folks, because here we go. The camera that is shooting them is out of focus. She says this is going to be difficult for her to watch. Brett and Davey have always been fiercely competitive with each other, and she is sure that it has enhanced their wrestling ability to drive them to become two of the greatest wrestlers in the world. I don't like to speculate on what anyone is doing, so I'll chalk her performance up to nerves. But I will state that this is becoming somewhat of a SummerSlam tradition to interview a member of Bret Hart's family on air during the show after Lord Alfred Hayes did that hilariously memorable interview with Stu Hart at SummerSlam 1991. Diana says that this is the biggest match in both of their careers and she is worried that she has become an obstacle in their path. She is worried about what they are going to do to each other. She's afraid that they are going to destroy each other. Mooney, bless his heart, tries to help her and asks her who she thinks will win, and Diana says that she isn't concerned with who wins. She says she loves both, and that their bond as a family is what's important to her, and nothing can replace that, not even the Intercontinental title. Mooney says it will certainly be a war. Diana agrees and says she has been given a great honor tonight, to be able to go to the front line with her husband in battle. She is rambling, and this has gone on way too long. The bell rings for Howard Finkel to introduce the match, and I am thankful. WWF Intercontinental Championship match, Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog. Bulldog out first led to the ring by boxer Lennox Lewis, holding the Union Jack high. Bulldog is simply high. Okay, that was harsh of me, I know, but I think I got it out of my system. He does get a fantastic ovation. Hart out next, and he also gets a respectful reaction when he comes out. He has a determined look on his face as he comes to the ring. McMahon thinks Hart is just as popular as Davy Boy, and I don't know about that. That might be stretching things a bit here. Hart takes the championship off and kisses it. He then presents it to referee Joey Morella. Brett presents his glasses to a fan at ringside. The kid would be in his mid-30s now. Boy, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? The crowd gets to its feet as the match starts and they circle each other. They are then face-to-face staring at each other. Bulldog pushes Hart. They then circle each other again. They lock up and Bulldog pushes Hart away again. They circle each other again. Another lock up and Bulldog with a side headlock. Hart pushes off. He drops down and leapfrogs Bulldog to avoid him before Bulldog crashes into Hart and Hart falls to the outside from the bump. Hart back to his feet and it takes a moment to regroup before getting back in the ring. Hena says he doesn't know why the Bulldog let Whoopi Goldberg do his hair. Hart with a side headlock takedown. Bulldog with the head scissors and Hart immediately kicks out. Hart goes back to the side headlock takeover. But Bulldog misses with the head scissors reversal this time. Bulldog gets back to his feet and pushes off. Hart comes back and Bulldog tries to slam Hart, but Hart slips behind Bulldog and rolls him up for a two count. Hart follows that up with a small package for another two count. Hart then goes back to the side headlock takeover. Bulldog struggling to get back to his feet. He gets to his knees and reverses Hart into a hammerlock. He takes the opportunity to drive some knees into Hart's back. Hart gets back to his feet and hits Bulldog with a back elbow to break the hold. Hart gets a wrist lock. Bulldog twists out of the move and reverses it. He turns it into an armbar. The crowd cheers as Diana is seen looking worried, probably wondering if her husband is going to tag her in since she's in the war with him and on the front lines, you know. Insert eye roll here. Hart gets to his feet and pushes off. Hart drops down and as he goes for a leapfrog, Bulldog catches him in midair and slingshots Hart into the corner. Bulldog picks the armbar back on Hart, which is a smart strategy on his part. Hart gets back to his feet, still in the armbar. 
Bulldog picks Hart up by the arm and slams him back down to the map. Hart gets back to his feet and pushes Bulldog back by his chin and pushes off. Bulldog comes back with a crucifix and gets a two count. Bulldog goes back to the armbar to get Hart down and Heenan says that is sound strategy to go back to basics and get your opponent down with the same hold you had him in earlier. They do a brief picture-in-picture of Diana, and it looks like she's cosplaying Gwyneth Paltrow from the end of Seven if you're up on your movies from 29 years ago. Hart gets back to his feet and gets a scoop slam, but Bulldog doesn't let go of the hold, so Hart ends up back in the same position on the mat. Bulldog bends Hart's wrist backwards to increase the pain, and Hart takes that opportunity to grab a chin lock on Bulldog with his free hand. Hart twists over to get to his knees, which brings Bulldog to his knees to keep the hold on. Hart makes it to his feet while still in the hole and pushes off. He drops down again, but this time he hits Bulldog with a knee to the stomach as Bulldog comes back. Hart goes and kicks the inside of Bulldog's leg and then delivers a leg drop to Bulldog. Hart with a headlock to the seated Bulldog. Bulldog gets to his feet and hits Hart with some elbows to break the hold. He rushes Hart with a shoulder block, only to get met with a back elbow by Hart that knocks Bulldog back to the mat. Hart drops an elbow on Bulldog. Hart follows it up with an inverted atomic drop on Bulldog. He follows that up with an Irish whip to Bulldog who comes back with a crucifix attempt again, but Hart goes straight down with a sort of modified Samoan drop. He gets a two count, and then Hart immediately transitions to a headlock. Bulldog with his arm up, fighting the pain of the hold. Bulldog trying to get back to his feet, so Hart switches to a side headlock to keep the hold on. Bulldog gets to his feet and pushes off. Hart comes back with a shoulder block. Bulldog with a drop down, a leapfrog, and a monkey flip to Hart. The crowd loved that series of moves and cheered Bulldog wildly. Bulldog with the momentum as he hits Hart with a headbutt. Bulldog with a series of corner whips, but Hart gets his foot up on the charge. Hart also gets his share of cheers from the move as he grabs Bulldog by his hair and hits a Bulldog on Smith, and Heenan says that the Bulldog just got Bulldogged. Hart goes up top, but gets caught and slammed off. Bulldog then goes up top to splash Hart, but Hart moves out of the way. Hart slams Bulldog's head down on the mat. Hart goes to scoop slam Bulldog, but Bulldog slips behind Hart and goes to roll him up, but Hart drops down and Bulldog goes flying to the outside of the ring. The crowd boos, but it was a good move. You can hate the player, but you can't hate the game. Insert your own Triple H joke here, folks. I can't do everything for you. Bulldog back to his feet, and Hart hits what I can only describe as a combination suicide dive set headlock takeover on Bulldog. That was an awesome move. Diana looking worried. Hart picks Bulldog up and runs him into the ring post. Hart then throws Bulldog back in the ring. Hart hits a brutal corner whip to Bulldog, who comes out of the corner holding his back. Hart attacks the legs to get Bulldog down. Hart with a side rushing leg sweep. He gets a two count. Bulldog back to his feet and Hart hitting him with a series of forearms. Bulldog would not go down. A drop kick does make Bulldog go down. Hart follows that up with an Irish whip and a backdrop to Bulldog. He gets a two count. Hart gets a headlock on. The crowd trying to get behind Bulldog or get on camera. Either one. Dealer's choice. Bulldog gets to his feet. Hart with a suplex. He gets a two count and immediately goes to the side headlock again. Hart with a headbutt. He follows it up with another forearm, but Bulldog grabs the arm and gets a backslide. He gets a two count. Hart comes back with an elbow drop to Bulldog. Hart follows that up with a backbreaker. Then a second rope elbow drop and we seem to be entering the five moves of doom area. He gets a two count. Hart hits Bulldog in the head with a shot. He then picks Bulldog up and slams him back down. He then headbutts Bulldog and Hart seems determined. He hits the snapmare and goes back to the headlock. Bulldog gets back to his feet, takes a shot from Hart, goes to hit Hart with a shot that Hart ducks, and Hart gets a sleeper on Bulldog. Bulldog crawls and gets to the ropes. Hart holds onto the sleeper for a long time, but finally breaks. Hart up and kicking Bulldog. Hart with an Irish whip, 
and goes back to the sleeper again. Bulldog goes down to his knees. Bulldog with his arm up fighting the move as Diana is shown again. Bulldog starting to fade. His arm doesn't go down three times though. He gets back to his feet with Hart on his back. He runs Hart into the corner to break the hold. Hart immediately comes out of the corner to apply the hold again. Bulldog goes down to his knees and Morella there to ask Bulldog if he wants to give up. Bulldog gets to his feet again and runs Hart into the turnbuckle to break the hold. They go back and forth in the center of the ring. Bulldog with an Irish whip and goes to press slam Hart as Hart tries to slip out of the move and Hart lands in the ropes and that looked painful to me. Hart collapses to the mat in pain as Bulldog shown leaning on the ropes and this match has taken its toll on both men. Bulldog with a corner whip and a clothesline. Then another clothesline as the crowd is sensing the momentum shift and gets louder. Another clothesline by Bulldog to get a two count. Bulldog with a press slam. He gets another two count. Bulldog with a delayed vertical suplex to Hart. He only gets another two count. Hart with a patented sternum first hit into the corner after a corner whip. So take a shot if you're drinking at home. Bulldog gets another two count. Bulldog signals to the crowd and Heenan says that he is wasting too much time. Bulldog gets Hart up for a power slam. He hits it, but only gets another two count. Hart out by the ropes and Bulldog pushes him out to the apron. Bulldog goes to suplex Hart back in, but Hart slips behind Bulldog and hits a belly-to-back suplex with a bridge to get a two count. Both men struggle to get back to their feet. Hart goes for a suplex, but Bulldog blocks it and puts Hart on the top rope. Bulldog then hits a top rope superplex on Hart to get to a big pop from the crowd. He gets another close two count. Hart reverses an Irish whip, misses a clothesline, and then a double clothesline knocks both men down. Hart picks his leg up and starts to get Bulldog in the sharpshooter while both men are down on the ground. He gets Bulldog over and goes to put the move on. He gets the move on Bulldog. Bulldog fighting to get to the ropes as Morella asks him if he wants to give up. He gets to the ropes to break the hold. Bulldog reverses an Irish whip. Hart comes back with a sunset flip. Bulldog hooks the legs and gets the pin to become the new Intercontinental Champion as the crowd goes wild. Finkel announces Bulldog as the winner as Diana makes her way from her seat to the ring. Bulldog gets to his feet and is presented the belt. Hart still sitting down and looking stunned as Bulldog is crying. Bulldog comes over and extends his hand. Hart starts to get out of the ring twice as the crowd boos. He finally walks over and shakes Bulldog's hand in the ring and hugs Bulldog. He then raises Bulldog's hand as the Bulldog's music plays and the crowd cheers. Diana hugs her bro- husband and her brother. Brett then raises all of their hands as the f- and the family is reunited again. Fireworks go off behind them as they sign off from London. Final thoughts. This was an epic show. The crowd was hot and the company was headed towards an autumn of change. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Harris. You can support the show at paypal.me slash cupofjoepod. Thank you for joining me this week. This is Joey saying so long from the heart of Virginia. The Cup of Joe Wrestling Show is a production of Baby Kangaroo Media. 